0: I am so excited to get started this morning. Um, It really has been an amazing series that we've been in. And one of my favorite things about this is that we're able to just begin to unbox things that have become tradition in our lives, which how easy is it for things to just become tradition? You know, like even family things that start out as like these exciting family-like you know moments that you craft and like. Does anybody do family night like once a week? Anybody? <laughs> anyway? Cool. Well, we do, and our family night is Friday night, and and we usually do like a movie, and we'll do dinner with the kids, and that's family night, and they know it's family night. And the first few family nights we like went all out, and it was amazing. We we're all so excited, and then the like fifth family night we're like. I mean, we could just, like, watch a quick show. and You guys can go to bed because we're kind of tired, <laughs> you know? And, like, it becomes, it's easy to lose, like, the meaning behind something unless you keep refreshing yourself to why you do it. As soon as you remember the why, it's so easy to step into the task of the what with, like, purpose and passion. Um, so I love this series because we're unboxing tradition, like the sign out in the four year says, and we're choosing to live in relationship. We're choosing closeness over task. Closeness is greater than task, and we're getting that into our hearts and in our minds, and that actually will change everything for you about the way that you walk out your spiritual life. Right? That changes everything. If you understand that closeness is more important than task in your relationship with God, then you will, you won't look at anything the same. Anything that he asks of you or any step of obedience that he wants you to take, you won't look at it how you used to look at it because you'll understand that in relationship, it's for your good and it's for his glory. So it's so much easier to step into what he's asking you to do without the box of this is just a check on the list. I just have to go to church on Sunday or I have to get up and do my quiet time because that's like on the list of good Christians do that to stay in relationship and get all the, you know... I don't know, levels of house and mansion in heaven or whatever. Who even knows how that works? But we get these like checklists going and then we forget that God had not, did not have in mind for us to have checklists of how to be close to Him. He just wanted relationship with us. So last week we talked about prayer. Was that helpful for anybody? It was helpful for me. It was an incredible word on prayer and on God wanting to hear from us and responding to us when he hears from us. And um, this week I'm really excited because I get to take out the worship box. (laughs) Yes. Y'all know I love this one. Um, And so I just thought that as I started, I would give you a little bit of a glimpse into what was inside my worship box, okay? okay? <laughs> so we all have our own things. We all have our view or our box of what we keep inside of here. We, we keep our own things inside of the worship box. It might be uh, something that looks different for you than it does for me, but it's kind of relative to your comfort zone. So what you keep inside this box of worship and what it looks like in your life outworked is probably very relative to where you're comfortable as a person and how far you're comfortable going with God. So you want to know what's in there? Oh yeah. How hard is it to fold a box like that, P.S.? Has anybody tried? You know, we have to pull out the corners. It's really hard. (laughs) This is amazing because this is one of my children's... (laughs) This is my little baby guitar. Actually, it's really, really cute because when they remember to bring them to church, my three kids all have one, and they'll stand up in the front row like. (laughs) When they don't, they're pretty much just distracted the whole time, so don't think they're too holy. Um... (laughs) But that's what's inside my box. And and that for me is because that's where I'm comfortable. That's what's comfortable for me. When I think about worshiping God, the easiest place for me to go is to pick up a guitar and to start playing. And that is where I'm comfortable. This is how I worship God. This is what is really easy for me to draw out and explain to somebody. But if I were to unbox what worship really is, that is an expression of worship. Music, we sing songs of worship, but songs, the song itself does not completely make up the idea of worship, right? So I don't know what it is for you. Maybe it's prayer is your act of worship or is an act of worship for you. There are things in our world that are expressions or acts of worship to God but do you know what worship actually is and what it means and what it encompasses? What do you think of when you hear the word worship? Is it music at church? I think that's really, really common. It's for us to think all worship is when we sing songs at the start of a service. But the whole idea of this is that we take, we unbox that and we go, what is it really though? We come in week to week and we say things like, hey, let's worship together. Let's lift our voices in worship. Worship was powerful this weekend, but I want us to keep unboxing the language of our lips so that it can become the truth of our lives. We have to keep unboxing the language of our lips so that it can become the truth of our lives. We can't just say things that sound Christian and think that they all infiltrate every part of our world. So let's start with two questions. Number one, what is worship? What does it mean? The word itself, it means to ascribe greatness to something or someone. In our context, worship is to ascribe greatness, to be him number one, to place value on who he is in our lives. And don't, don't be confused because we don't actually make God bigger by doing that. He is who he is. He just becomes bigger in our world because we allow him the space. But worship is ascribing to God greatness. Worship and sacrifice go hand in hand. Worship and obedience go hand in hand. Worship and relationship go hand in hand. Worship and joy go hand in hand. Worship and truth go hand in hand. Worship is warfare. Why? Because when we put value on the God of heaven and earth, the God of the universe, and we place him where he's supposed to be in our lives, we remind ourselves of who God is, what he has done, how he won. We remind the devil that the cross has the final word and that his days are numbered. And we remind him that my days are full of hope and promise and the presence of God. That is what worship does in our lives. But worship is putting God back where he belongs in our worlds. He is there. He sits on the throne. But sometimes we remove him from the throne of our hearts. So worship is our lives. Our lives are worship. That's what it's intended to be. And this is what the Bible says about worship in Romans 12, verses 1 and 2. It says, I appeal to you, therefore, brothers, by the mercies of God, to present your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable to God, which is your spiritual worship. Do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewal of your mind, that by testing you may discern what is the will of God, what is good and acceptable and perfect. So we're to present ourselves as our spiritual act of worship. All of us surrendered. First commandment. I am the Lord your God who brought you out of the land of Egypt out of the house of slavery. You shall have no other gods before me. And straight after that, you shall not make for yourself a carved image or any likeness of anything that is in heaven above or that is on the earth beneath or that is in the water or under the earth. God makes it so clear where he belongs and what he's asking to do with that knowledge. Our whole lives laid down. So let me pray, and then we're going to keep going. God, we love you. God, I believe that you're bringing fresh revelation through your word this morning. And God, we just open our hearts, and we ask you to shift us, God, to change us, to unbox things that we didn't even know were in the box, God. God, I pray that I would get out of the way so you can say what you want to say to your sons and your daughters, your people, God. God. God, and we ask that your word would pierce through what is on the outside and hit right what's deep down on the inside so there could be life change and revelation, God, through your kindness and your mercy. It's in your holy name we pray. Amen. All right. So let's talk about ways that we bring our worship to him. And I'm just going to throw out some verse references because I think this will be helpful for you as you go into your week. Um, I'm not going to read them all because we will be here until, you know, like later. Later than normal. (laughs) Um, So these are a few ways that we bring our worship. The Bible tells us we bring our worship to God. Number one, with our whole lives, Romans 12, 1 and 2. Number two, in spirit and in truth, it's John 4, 24. These are obviously just one scripture, but there's many more if you keep searching. We bring our worship with reverence, Psalm 2, verse 11. With dancing and singing, Psalm 149, verse 3 with new songs, Psalm 96, with shouts of joy, Psalm 98, verse four. These are ways that you might see expressions of worship in the house of God. You might hear music or melodies or songs or prayers or dancing. You might be still, you might be wild or bold or braver than you've ever before been before. Those are expressions of worship. So what is worship? Those are a few That's a little bit of context for what the Bible tells us worship is. And then the second question I have for us this morning is, what do I worship? If we're to make it personal, if we know what worship is, then the question is, well, what do I worship? If it's placing value on something, what do I place value on? If it's describing worth to something or someone, who or what is that in my life? And that's a hard question to ask, but your life will reveal what you worship. If you wonder what you worship, figure out what you value. Whatever the highest ranking thing that you ascribe worth to or time to, your world to, that is what you value most. And that is what you worship. That's why worship isn't just a, I'm going to worship. It's an every day. I am going to worship. I'm going to tell my soul to sing. I'm going to remind myself of who you are, God, because it's very easy and a in a busy, distracted world and life for us to easily displace what is supposed to be first. So it's an everyday thing. That's why you get up and have quiet times with God or you spend time with God during the day. Do you know that's not just like something a Christian made up at some point in life? The point of that moment in your day is to replace God on the throne of your life and remind yourself that he belongs there. Guess we're not unboxing like quiet times, huh? Did it. We just did it. (laughs) Uh, So I have a few truths for us this morning um, of ways that we can live our lives in worship as living sacrifices to God. The Bible tells us we're to worship in spirit and in truth. So how do we do that? And I think there's a few truths we have to understand about God and believe with everything that we are in order for us to live that life of worship out Um, Number one, he is irreplaceable. So I have to stop building things in my life to replace an irreplaceable God. God is irreplaceable. You cannot replace him with anything that will match him. He is matchless. So if he is irreplaceable and we can't build something to replace him, then what am I building in my life becomes the question. Am I building a life that points to Him, or am I building somewhere else? And there's a really incredible story in the Bible. And this is when Israel would literally get to a place where they would forget the things that God had done, the miracles that they had seen God do, bringing them out of Egypt across the Red Sea on dry land. They would forget and they would begin to build things and false, build false gods that would place, replace God in their life. And this is what it says in Exodus chapter 32, starting verse 21. It says, and Moses said to Aaron... What did these people do that you, have, that you have brought such great sin upon them? And Aaron said, let not the anger of my Lord burn hot. He's like, please don't be mad. <laughs> Ever felt like that? When you really messed something up and somebody came and held you accountable, you're like, please don't be mad. Um, and it says, you know the people that they are set on evil, for they said to me, make us gods who shall go before us, as for this Moses, this is what they said to him. As for this Moses, the man who brought us up out of the land of Egypt. Do you notice they call him the man? that They ascribe that, that exodus out of Egypt. They point back to the man, Moses. Who knows that it wasn't the man that brought them out of Egypt. So as they remember, they say, the man that brought us out of Egypt. We don't know what has become of him. He was on the mountain meeting with God. For their sake. Forgot the man. Forgot the God that brought them out of Egypt. He wasn't around. Where's this man? They said, He abandoned us, they were saying. So I said to them, Let any who have gold take it off. So they gave it to me and I threw it into the fire and out came this calf. I don't know about you, but that's insane. But there's a few things about this passage, if you hadn't already noticed, that I want to highlight. Number one, we'll begin to worship things other than God who is worthy when we diminished the acts of God in our own minds, remembering the natural act and not the spiritual or not the supernatural one. When we start just remembering things and not the mighty act of God in our lives, in the history of our lives, we will start to diminish how God has moved before. When we, we will begin to look for other things to worship when we get impatient and are waiting. If you start to get impatient, it's real easy to look for something else to fill the spot that only God deserves, right? You're waiting on a job, you're waiting on a spouse, you're waiting on a family, you're waiting on finance, You're waiting on just to hear from God like never before. In the waiting, it's really easy to look for other things to worship when we become impatient. And it's amazing how the enemy will convince you to start taking off valuable things that God has put in your life and provided you with and throw them into a fire, looking for something better than God, which there is nothing And the enemy will bring something out of it to hand you. Out from the fire came a calf, a golden calf. It just came out of the fire. Isn't it amazing how when we start to give what's valuable away that God has given us and we don't steward it and we don't look at it as a gift from God, we start giving it away to places that that those gifts don't belong, the enemy will provide you with something to worship. You throw it out there the enemy will put something right back in your lap. Here, take this. This is visible. This is instant. This is right now. Isn't that crazy? Come on. He is irreplaceable. God is irreplaceable. Number two, he is worthy and he is trustworthy. He's worthy of your trust because he is worthy. Do you want to know why God is trustworthy and why he's worthy because you can trust him and he is worthy does that make sense it's I mean it seems kind of simple but when you think about it is God worthy of my trust yes because he is worthy can I trust him yes because he is trustworthy he is worthy of my trust so what is he asking you to trust him with we're talking about worship being our lives as living sacrifices. What is he asking you to trust him with? Because he is trustworthy. Right. And if giving our whole lives is our act of worship, then there are things in us that we have to realize God is actually asking us to trust him with to let go of and start letting him deal with it instead of us fighting through life trying to deal with it ourselves. So I wanted to read from a passage, which is actually the first time that the word worship is mentioned in the Bible. You guys interested? (laughs) Genesis 22, starting in verse 1. Um, This is the story of Abraham and Isaac, which I'm sure a lot of you have heard. And it says, After these things, this is when God has given Abraham and Sarah a son, a miracle son born in their old age, Isaac. They waited and waited and waited for the promise of God to come and the promise of God came. And this is what happens. After these things, God tested Abraham and said to him, Abraham, and he said, here I am. Ah, point number one, he listened and replied. And he said, take your son, your only son, Isaac, whom you love and go to the land of Moriah and offer him there as a burnt offering on one of the mountains, which I shall tell you. So Abraham rose early in the morning and saddled his donkey and took two of his young men with him and his son Isaac. He cut the wood for the burnt offering and arose and went to the place which God had told him. And on the third day, can you imagine that journey, by the way, on the third day? Imagine days one and two in that obedience. So he cut the wood for the burnt offering and arose and went to the place which God had told him. On the 3rd day Abraham lifted up his eyes and saw the place from afar. Then Abraham said to his young men, "Stay here with the donkey and the boy, and the boy, I and the boy will go over there and worship and come again to you." I love his faith in that statement. "We'll come again to you." He knew God would provide, and Abraham took the wood of the burnt offering and laid it on Isaac his son. And he took in his hand the fire and the knife. So they both went, so they went both of them together. And he said, sorry, I can't read today. And Isaac said to his father, Abraham, my father. And he said, here I am, my son. And he said, behold, the fire and the wood, but where is the lamb for a burnt offering? Abraham said, God will provide for himself the lamb for a burnt offering, my son, So they went both of them together, and when they came to the place which God had told them, Abraham built the altar and laid the wood in order and bound Isaac his son and laid him on the altar on top of the wood. Are you there in the story? Then Abraham reached out his hand and took the knife to slaughter his son, whom he loved, whom he waited for. And Abraham went and took the ram and offered it up as a burnt offering instead of his son. So Abraham called the name of that place, The Lord Will Provide. (laughs) Boy, did he know it. As it is said to this day, on the mount of the Lord, it shall be provided. And the angel of the Lord called to Abraham a second time from heaven and said, By myself I have sworn your only son I will surely bless you and I will surely multiply your offspring as the stars of the heaven and the sand that is on the seashore and your offspring shall possess the gate of his enemies and your offspring shall, and in your offspring shall all the nations of the earth be blessed because you have obeyed my voice. So Abraham returned to his young men with his son and they arose and went together to Beersheba and Abraham lived at Beersheba. This is the first time the Bible mentions worship. This is it. This is a glimpse for us into what it looks like for man to worship God. And one of the most powerful revelations I've had reading this scripture is what relationship does it take to walk through a moment like this? What trust How much do you have to know that God is worthy and he is trustworthy to hear him ask you to lay your most valuable gift down on the altar of surrender and to respond? Not just instantly, because sometimes an instant response is a little bit easier than a response you have to walk out. Right? He had to get to the mountain. There was days that passed for him to get to a place where he had to lay his only son on the altar and say, I'll give him back to you, God. And what a beautiful picture it is foreshadowing the God of heaven and earth laying his only son down on the altar. But no stopping in the middle of it, actually shedding his blood for the forgiveness of our sins. And isn't it beautiful how God doesn't ask anything that he hasn't walked through or is walking through himself. He's felt all of our pain. He knows what you're feeling. He is holy and perfect, but his son walked the earth. He was a suffering servant. He walked out things that you and I walk out so that he could walk with us in our pain. And he could walk with us through the sacrifices that God asked us to make that are hard and that hurt sometimes. He is worthy and he is trustworthy. And he doesn't want to just do it by giving you a command. He wants relationship with you so that as you walk it out, even in the middle of it, you hear, hang on, here I am. Trust. Trust him. Trust him to go through the unexpected. Trust that he will provide what you need. Trust him to lay down what you value the most on the altar of surrender. And trust to keep listening when he shows up again. He's not going to let you down. And what's really amazing is at the end of this, Abraham and the generations to come receive even greater blessing because of his obedience. So don't give up in the middle of it. Stick it out and stick it through because there is a generation coming behind you that needs the fruit of your obedience. Yeah, right. It's not even just about you. <laughs> And the last point is our posture can set us up for hosting the presence. So in worship, you know, like you'll walk in and maybe hands are raised or people are just dancing around. My buddy Berm, the dance man, you know, we're just going for it with everything we've got. And you're like, these people are crazy. (laughs) Why do they do that? I'm good with my arms by my side. Maybe even the classic you know, uncomfortable folds. Maybe you get into a sway. I don't know what your level of like movement or posture is in worship. But our posture can actually set us up to host his presence. So it might look like just something the crazy Christian happy clappy people do when they go into worship. But on the contrary, it's something we get to do to posture ourselves to host the presence of God. I actually read a a study, which I'm just going to summarize very quickly, by a guy, Dr. Eric Pepper. And he did a study on people that would walk down a hallway and their posture, how it would affect their mood. So he had some people walk down with slouch shoulders, and he had some people kind of walk down skipping. And um, it's really interesting. It says, almost all of the skipping participants reported feeling more energetic, happier, and positive Meanwhile, those who had slouched reported nearly the opposite emotions. They felt sad, lonely, isolated, sleeping, and zombie-like. And then some things they said at the end of that was that posture can affect your mood, confidence, memory, bones, brain, headaches, your digestion. So science has told us a few things about posture. And if posture affects the natural function or the, the function of our natural bodies, imagine how the posture of our bodies in worship to God will affect the posture of our spirit man to the spirit of God inside of us. You can see what the world tells us is only a glimpse because if you take it into the supernatural, into the realm of this is what God does, it just amplifies what the world can tell us in like this tiny little slice. So the posture of your body and your spirit and your mind in worship will affect how you hear from God. Do you come in expecting not to hear? Do you come in like protecting yourself? Or do you come in going, you know what, God? I'm gonna dance, I'm gonna sing, I'm gonna shout. I'm gonna lift all I've got up to you because I know you're gonna meet me. And I'm gonna bring my expectation to the place where I know you meet me and then watch how he blows your expectation out of the water. Have you ever noticed as soon as you just let go, the joy comes? Have you ever been at a wedding and nobody wants to dance and finally somebody dances and they're the only one and you're like, well now I have to because it's messed up, that's that's my friend. (laughs) And so you just, you know, it happened to Maddie and I the other day, I'm like, we're going, we're dancing. She's out there by herself. We got up. Do you know that people just started flooding the dance floor? And we danced for hours. Hours. And it was the best time ever. It was light and we felt like kids again. And we just had the best time. Do you know that the posture of your body in worship can change how you receive what God is doing in the room? He might be wanting to pour out joy over your life. And because you can't get out of your seat or can't get out of your box, you're missing it. He's like, come on, be like a kid again. We're called to have childlike faith. Get up, start dancing, see what he does. (laughs) Who cares if you look ridiculous? I can't dance, do it anyways. (laughs) We gotta stop letting our thoughts rule us and rule over our thoughts. There's a couple things I just wanted to do some people that have walked in today and they don't you don't know maybe what it's like to have relationship that unboxes worship and prayer and takes religion out of the place where it's been and frees you up to live a love relationship with God and as I was reading and preparing for this morning God brought me to this passage of a man who didn't know Jesus and he actually postured himself differently to get to see what he was all about does anybody know Zacchaeus Everybody know the song? (laughs) I could sing it and then we could all dance and see what God does. (laughs) Luke 19 talks about Zacchaeus, who was a rich man, the chief tax collector. He knew that Jesus was coming and he's in a crowd of people and he's a man short in stature. So he's like, I can't see and it would, would have been easier probably for him to just not see and maybe experience it from a distance or not kind of experience it through the eyes of everybody else. But that wasn't good enough for him. So he decided to go climb up in a sycamore sycamore tree. Yep, sycamore tree. And up he goes into the tree so he can see Jesus because he knows he's about to come and pass by. And he doesn't want to see it through somebody else's eyes or just hear about it. He wants to see it for himself. He didn't know him. And some of you came in this morning and you don't know him. You just wanted to see what this was all about. And you know what's happening right now is God, God is letting you see it with your own eyes, not just hear about it from somebody else. So he ran on ahead, it says, and he climbed up into the sycamore tree because he was about to pass by. And when Jesus came to the place, he looked to him and said, Zacchaeus, hurry and come down for I must stay at your house today. So he hurried and he came down and he received him joyfully. (laughs) It's amazing. From the outside, it looked like this guy had everything he needed. But he was seeking to see Jesus and Jesus showed up. And Jesus didn't stay at a distance. He didn't just like chat to him from the ground and the tree. He's like, you've got to come down because I got to go to your house today. I don't want to just know you here in this In this place where you're there and I'm here, I actually wanna come in to your home. I wanna come into your life and I wanna sit with you and I wanna live life with you. And that's what he's saying to you today. And it says Zacchaeus hurried down joyfully. Like he was like, this is for real. Something in my my eyes have like opened up and this is for real. He's come to meet me. He didn't just walk by, I didn't just see it. I couldn't just tell people about how I saw him pass by. He came and met me. And this morning, I'm telling you, there's people in this room, Jesus has come and he's met you where you are. Or maybe you've just felt distant for a while. And this morning you showed up to see and Jesus has met you where you are. But he's not asking you to stay at a distance. He's asking you to come close, to let him come in to everything that's you, your home you he wants to come into your life this morning and so we're not going to go another minute without giving you the chance to respond to that and in a few minutes we're going to spend some time praying but before we do that with every eye closed every head bowed just give people privacy for a minute is that you this morning has he come close and found you where you are He didn't ask Zacchaeus to clean up his life. He found and he met him exactly as he was. He said, I want to come into your home. I want to come into your life. He's seeing you exactly as you are and he loves you and he wants relationship with you. He doesn't want to drag you into religion. He wants to drag you into a love relationship with him because he knows it's going to wreck your life in the best way. It's going to change everything. It's going to put hope like there's never been hope. It's gonna bring joy like there's never been joy and you're not gonna do life alone anymore. You're gonna walk it out with a God who loves you. So if that's you this morning and there's something stirring in your heart, I'm gonna to count to three. And if you feel like you need to respond and surrender your life to Jesus, to make him Lord of your life, to put him in first place, the only God, the one true God, then when I count to three, I want you to raise your hand. And after that, we're just gonna to pray together and invite Jesus into your heart. So one, he loves you. He loves you so much, and he died for you. Number two, he loves you just as you are. But he loves you too much to leave you that way. And three, why don't you just raise your hand, if that's you, all across the room. If that's you and you need to surrender your life, why don't you just raise your hand. Come on, let's be bold. Put it up high. It's awesome. Amen. Awesome, awesome. 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 Thank you, Jesus. Awesome. So good. All right, this is what we're gonna do, we're gonna pray together. All together, one voice, because we're a family and we do things together, hey? You ready? Jesus, thank you that you love me. Thank you that you died for me. I'm a sinner in need of your grace you're the way the truth and the life I want to be a Christian a follower of you Jesus I surrender my life come into my heart be the Lord of my life in Jesus name amen amen awesome come on let's celebrate it's incredible from death to life, um, I'll keep that to me. Thank you very much. Awesome. So there's just a few things I really wanted to pray for. You can stand with us. We're gonna spend some time worshiping, and um, did we get the cards. Okay, cool. Um, we're gonna spend some time worshiping for just the next few minutes, and I just really felt like there was a response that needed to happen. And so, Tim, would you mind bringing me the worship box up here? Thank you so much. This is just like random, so bear with us. But uh, you might have a pen around your seat. You might have some paper with the cards that we leave on your seat. But I actually felt like there was people today that needed to write something down that they needed to surrender, to leave at the altar, You know, we read about Abraham and Isaac and Abraham putting his son on the altar, giving it to God and saying, you do what you will with it. I'll obey, I'll trust you. Do we believe that God's trustworthy? Is there something this morning, a word that you just need to write down and bring and put up on the altar? Just write on the altar and say, I'm leaving it there, God. I'm gonna trust you with it from now on. Is there something that's maybe held first place in your life? And this morning, you're like, you know what? That doesn't belong there. This thing has been in the place that God belongs. And it feels like things are out of whack in my life. And it's like the revelation moment. It's out of whack because God isn't first place. And you just need to write that thing down or that name down or that thing that you value. And just bring it up and lay it on the altar. And leave it there. And remember that you left it there. You know what I'm saying? Sometimes it physically, the posture of our bodies and the posture of our movement and our lives will change the posture of our hearts. And then my last thought for us was, what is the posture that you need to change in your songs of worship today? What is the place that God wants to take you to? what's the next step what's the next level so we're going to have our ministry come down team and come down and they'll be at the front here they can pray with you they would love to pray with you doesn't have to be a big thing it can be a little thing you can come down right to the front anywhere along the front of the stage leave something with a name on it there's pens around ask your neighbor it'll be fine we're all friends and the team is just going to start to worship. And I just want to encourage you to enter in like never before, to open up like never before. Awesome? All right, let's do it. Thanks for listening to that podcast. We pray it blessed you and empowered you in all that God's got for you. Why don't you share that with a friend, someone who maybe needs to hear it. We'd love for you to also to visit us um, either online at colonialchurch.life or here at church at 550 State Road 207 here in St. Augustine, Florida. Be blessed.